Hey guys, Brandon here, and it is a very special show this week. There's no Greg, but I did join the guys from Batflips and Nerds. You can find them on batflipsandnerds.com. It's a British take on baseball, and we recorded a very special transatlantic takeover episode. So it's two guys from Batflips and Nerds and me talking a little bit of everything. We're talking a little 90s and about that 90s baseball pod, and then about their British twist on baseball and how they see things across the pond. It's a very special opportunity for entrance into the Sports Podcast Awards. So stay tuned on socials for us, and we'll let you know if there's an ability to vote or anything like that. But again, this is a very, very special episode with me, Brandon, and the guys from Bat Flips and Nerds. It's kind of like when the Jetsons met the Flintstones. So if you remember what that was like, this will be for you. All right, let's get right to it. Hey guys, Brandon here. We'll get you to the show in just a second. And if you want to listen to that 90s baseball pod early and ad-free, make sure to sign up at patreon.com slash that 90s baseball pod. Subscribers at any level get the show as soon as it's created, early and ad-free. Now, for our sponsors, we have eParade, which is reasonably priced, trendy kitchenware. That's E-P-A-R-E dot com. Promo code 10T90BP10. So, that 90s baseball pod, T90BP, with 10 on either side. Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app, is the stock market for sports. If you use the promo code BENDER, you get a free week of Symbol Gold. Hinterland Coffee in Minnesota is a freshly roasted coffee experience every single week. Monthly subscriptions get 10% off. Go to hinterlandmn.com. Three-star sports cards, you can find them online or in person in Bloomington on Lindale Avenue or in Little Canada on Rice Street or threestarsportscards.com. And finally, Humility Chains. Royce Lewis's mom, Cindy, makes stylish, affordable chains and necklaces and bracelets that go, uh, the proceeds go directly to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer. So a portion, again, of those proceeds go to the Nigu Foundation to help children fighting cancer cancer more than 20 styles of chains and bracelets are available they're affordable they look great i'm wearing mine right now i highly recommend them it's humility chains on etsy so look up etsy and then search for humility chains and now on to your show It's John here from Batflips and Nerds, and this is a bit of a special treat of a podcast. I've got Darius with me. I'm excited for this one, Darius. Are you? I am. We might get some history. I think we're gonna we're gonna learn some things today. We've got a bit of a different voice, so I think it's gonna be a good one. 
Excellent. Yeah. And the reason being for this special podcast is that we've got Brandon here from that 90s baseball show who has been on Batflips and Nerds before uh, talking about the twins with Ben. Uh, but this is going to be a transatlantic crossover show. So Brandon, very pleased to have you here rather than one of our usual crew. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, no, I made the joke that it was kind of like when the Flintstones met the Jetsons and that joke landed with a number of people on the call. And so hopefully with you two, it resonates as well. But yeah, happy to be on and happy to bring that 90s baseball pod to Bat Flips and Nerds for a little bit of collaboration. Absolutely. So for, for, so for our listeners on, on, on the uh, Bat Flip side of things, tell them a little bit about, about that 90s baseball pod, which is a pod that you and, and Greg Olson, who played for a, a number of teams throughout the, the 90s and the early 2000s and was, was indeed uh, an American League, I think, Rookie of the Year, right? So can you, if people haven't heard your podcast before, um, what, what should they be looking out for? Yeah, so he won Rookie of the Year over Ken Griffey Jr. And so, <laughs> Not bad. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's... Uh, I told him when he autographs baseballs that we give away on Patreon, he should say rookie of the year over Ken Griffey Jr. But uh, there's not that much room on a baseball to <laughs> leave that much information. So we keep it succinct. But the the thing that I noticed in podcasts that I've listened to, because I was a professional, professional wrestling fan in the late 90s, was that nostalgia was really hitting hard and that people were really getting into that era. And I don't know that the nineties is especially that era. I think it's just nostalgia in general. Mm -hmm. And so you have to touch the niche that you don't think anybody else is filling or somebody's not filling as well as you can. Um, so for me, it was growing up in the nineties, the nineties were a natural generation to, to hone in on. I grew up watching baseball in the nineties, starting in about 1993 and Greg pitched for the Orioles starting, I think in 88 and then all the way through to 2001 with the um, or 2000 with the Diamondbacks. And so the, the idea was I can talk about what baseball was like for me as a fan in the nineties. He can talk about what it was like playing in the nineties and then we can either find common ground or, or we can have disagreements, but discuss them humanely <laughs> and nicely. <laughs> and um, you know, I can, I can just learn about that era that I, I, year old kid that he saw through the eyes of a 25 year old man who was playing it. And so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, reception has been especially good for our last episode, but it's, it's been very exciting. That's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, you, you're dead right that there is, there is a sort of trend for nostalgia around that time. And, you know, uh, Darius and I are of an age where we know both what the Flintstones and the Jetsons are, but that being in the UK, we weren't watching an awful lot of baseball in the 90s. There wasn't a lot of it on the TV in the 90s, even if we wanted to. So we're hopefully going to learn uh, learn a bit more from, from you this evening, even over and above what we're learning uh, in listening to you and Greg on the podcast. So because this is... Oh, don't you look okay? Well, well in, in. Um, yeah, in, in the 90s too, it wasn't as widespread as it is now. You know, we had TVS, which was owned by Ted Turner, mm -hmm. who incidentally owned the wrestling organization that I liked as well. But that Best brought, one. yeah, right, that <laughs> brought the Atlanta Braves into my living room in Minnesota. And then there was WGN with Chicago, but you didn't have these packages. So even in the 90s, it was it was hard to find these games as a, I can see them every single night. I don't know what distribution's like for you guys. But that's another thing in the 90s was 
because he played for the Braves and everybody could watch the Braves. So um, the nineties were just such a unique era with the strike and all that. And um, so that, that to me was the, the natural tie-in was, um, you know, that we could talk about a lot of common ties that we had. Well, I believe that following baseball in the 90s on, on the UK side of things uh, required you to be picking up a copy of USA Today on Paddington Station at 6am in the morning and opening the box scores and uh, working it out backwards from there. It was it was absolutely non-existent from a couple of friends of ours who, uh, you know, are a little bit of an older generation than we are. Um, so D- Darius, um, for, for guys who, who are picking up this podcast in, in Brandon's feed are like... Who, who the hell are these clowns? What have they got to, to, to say about baseball? What's, what's Batflips and Nerds all about? I mean, we've, we've touched on it, right? It's, it does what it says on the tin. It doesn't do what it says on the tin because the name has nothing to do with what we actually are. What, what are we all about? We do appreciate Batflips and a couple of us are nerds. Um, but basically, we started as a, a group of um, four British guys. There's now seven of us who sort of make regular appearances. But yeah, we, we offer a British take on baseball. So we talk about Major League Baseball, um, but not exclusively. We've covered a lot of international leagues. We've covered baseball in the UK. Uh, we did a lot of content around when MLB came over to London. Um, and we also get a fair amount of interviews on, I'd say. We've had Ken Rosenthal. We've had Jeff Passan, to name just a couple of the, the guests we've had. Um, but generally, we are British fans of baseball who like talking about it. And uh, other people seem to like listening to us talk about it too. So if you want to hear some clowns, talking british accents about baseball which i understand some americans do enjoy then uh, do check us out yeah it's it's a strange one like uh, uh, it's fir- first thing to say is that that y- you and i are not you- we do not have your quintessential british accent like whenever i i talk to american guests of ours uh, like uh, i think that jeff passon made a joke about my lovely british voice and i'm like well i am like the british equivalent of like a southern yokel in terms of my accent but there's clearly you know like we know what an alabaman sounds like you don't know what a cumbrian sounds like but trust me it's it's the version <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and you mentioned that london series Darius. i think that that was our creative peak wasn't it was um you and i pretending to be bryce harper and jonathan papelbon uh, in the dugout on the field at london stadium uh, and uh was it me choking was... you out or the other way around i think it was wasn't it <laughs> yes i had the harper jersey yeah that was yeah. definitely the peak the peak of our twitter engagement tens of thousands of people watch that for some reason <laughs> so i i have to ask though like where does the intrigue of the game start? Because I would assume you're into football, you know, the, you can call it soccer. It's all right. Soccer. We're not, we're not, not going to be offended. Not, you know, <laughs> Non-American football. And uh, I think they called it football del mundo in my Spanish class. Um, I like it. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't see a natural angle from where I'm at across the pond as far as, Oh, Hey, you just woke up one day and decided to watch, these fools swinging bats at uh, little round pebbles. What was the, what was the hook? What was the allure for you? I think it's different for all of us, right? So I think that the, the, the quintessential model for British baseball fandom is, you know, Florida is a big holiday destination for, for people from the UK. Mm-hmm. So unsurprisingly, there are a lot of Rays fans. Like there are probably more Rays fans in, I don't know, uh, Birmingham than there are in St. Pete. Uh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a big claim, but I think it's a fair one. So a lot of people pick it up by going on. Likewise, Miami. There are a lot of Miami fans over there. And New York, of course. Um, but our, our, our two paths, I think, are, are more, you know, the second and third 
most likely reason that you so we did start showing we had a, a, a new so much like you were saying tbs was one of the few things that you got on national networks we we in the uk were, were way behind you cable cable and satellite tv wasn't really a thing unless you were very very rich and there were only four tv channels in the uk uh, until about 1999 and then they, there was a fifth one channel five original moniker and it sort of cornered the u.s uh, u.s sports market so it showed not only MLB, but also NHL and NBA as well. Um, NFL had been on Channel 4 for a long time. And it was on at night when I was in college. So I I took to watching it. I'm just a sports nut. I'm a huge cricket fan. So, you know, I really, really into our bat and ball sport, which for those of you mm-hmm. complaining about four-hour games in the playoffs, um, come back to me when you've done four days. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just got into it through that and I just absolutely loved it. I, I, I started off, I was like most people, it was web gems and it was dingers. That's, that's all I was there for, but slowly, but surely got drawn into it. Had a, had a few years away and then maybe six, seven years ago, just, just caught the bug again. And we've been, we've been doing this for like four years now. And, and Darius, you're, you're on, you're on the other end. You're, you, I mean, you are definitely the nerd when it comes to bat flips and nerds. So your, your, your routine was the, where nerds come from to baseball right i think peak nerd yeah the reason that i got into baseball was because of fantasy baseball and the reason i got into fantasy baseball was because i joined a fantasy league with some people um who uh, are in the online mario kart community just to add oh. the, an extra nerd level to it i <laughs> I, I time trial mario kart 64 or i haven't for a while but i did at the time and uh yeah we want darius to try and beat jose ramirez at mario kart so if you've got his number brandon uh tell us we think he could be here because you know you can beat everyone nice (laughs) um and uh they were setting up a fancy league and i was into sport anyway you know lots of sports but i'd never really known much about baseball and i was just like you know i play fantasy football uh soccer whatever we want to call it uh let's give this a go why not seems like fun they need an extra player for the head-to-head league and uh, I quickly discovered it was actually the stats were a lot more interesting to me than than the kind of things we had, certainly in, in football at the time. And so I just kind of got sucked in uh, and I had Tim Linskin on my team. And so then I started watching Tim Linskin videos, became a Giants fan. And I read Moneyball and went to Baseball Prospectus and Fangraphs and sort of, yeah, slowly got into the game through the, the stats side, really. Well, and that that's uh, my second act of a baseball fandom is... So I grew up as a kid loving the game, just watching the Twins here in Minnesota. But then in about 2003, I joined a community on, and you're, you're not going to believe this, um, baseball.com. So Netsports. <laughs> Literally, I just went to baseball.com one day. There was a forum, and it was called Netsports, but it was at baseball.com. And that's where they started telling me, you know, you can judge players by more than just home runs, batting average, RBIs. And I was like, what do you mean? And it's, oh, on-base percentage matters. And guys should take their walks and they should play good defense and that sort of thing. And before long, I had a copy of Moneyball my first year of college, which was 2004. And I read that in just a couple of days and thought, wow, you know, I'm 18 years old, 17 years old. I've been thinking about this all wrong. And bought a copy of Baseball Prospectus, which actually – is probably one of the green ones up there that you can see above my shoulder. Um, you guys on the call here anyway. Uh, and I thought to myself, man, uh, these guys really are, are talking about this on a different level. And I want to, I want to have my name in this book someday. And actually my name is in one of them, um, as an acknowledgement, I, I, I only worked there as an intern. I didn't work there as a, 
an actual contributor. So maybe someday I'll write the, the twins essay for the season or something like that. Uh, I still got connections there, but I interned there in 2010. And so within six years, I went from, Hey, I love this book. I hope I get to, to be in it someday to, Hey, I'm interning for this website and transcribing interviews and editing and doing that kind of stuff. And then from there I went to fan graphs. And so that was my second act as a fan was learning about, um, you know, there's more than just the the statistics you see on the TV screen in the back of a baseball card. Yeah, definitely. I'm also in there as an acknowledgement uh, because nice. because Darius Darius is a contrib, so <laughs> he acknowledges my contribution, which is nice. negligible uh, to his knowledge of baseball, which is very kind of him. <laughs> Who have you got this year? You tend to pick out that you do the player comments for which whoever is going to be the worst team possible. Who is it this year? I've, I have got the Orioles. There you go. Well, and I I share a podcast with an Oriole, so I can commiserate with you. And I actually wrote for uh, Baltimore Sports and Life for a while. So that was a a Baltimore-based sports website. For whatever reason, they wanted me to write about the Orioles. So I wrote about the Orioles for a few different years recently here. And so, yeah, uh, they've had it pretty rough in Baltimore ever since Buck Showalter left, which is – yeah, that's saying a lot. Even the good teams yeah, in that period get, have been. It's getting bad. pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let, let's let's get down to business and, and explain a little to people why we're here. So we've been brought together by the the sports the sports podcast awards as part of their celebration of the growing world of sports podcasting. And if you're listening to this, thinking you fancy a bit of that, you've got your own podcast, you your own bedroom podcaster and you want to enter or you want to find out a new favorite pod then you can find out more about that at www.sportspodcastawards.com you can go over there anyone can enter it's the chance for your back bedroom podcast to face off against the titans of your field well like like us i guess so who you know i'm assuming that we're we're both going to be nominated uh who's who's going to be our big Who's going to be our big competition, um, Brandon? He, he, you, you know, so you said you, you were looking for a nostalgia podcast and, and couldn't find one. What's what's on your baseball podcast rotation? Honestly, um, you know, I like Effectively Wild. I think everybody mm-hmm. likes Effectively Wild. Other than that, though, that's really it. I I'm I contain multitudes, if I can say that. I'm more of a um, true, true crime and pro wrestling and pro sports in crime podcast listeners. So my interests all kind of dovetail with like 83 weeks, which is about world championship wrestling, um, small town murder. I grew up in a small town. I'm fascinated by murder. So boom, that's a, a, a natural one there. And then the hosts are a couple of buddies of mine who live in Phoenix, Arizona. And I've hung out with them after a couple of shows they've had, they're doing live shows across the country. That's how big their shows become. So, um, you know, goals right there. And then they also do a show called Crime and Sports. So it kind of mixes all of my my uh, passions into one thing. Sometimes they do a wrestling episode like they did with Buff Bagwell a few weeks ago. Sometimes they do um, very well-known guys. Like the last one was a three-part episode on Mike Tyson. Like three hours wasn't enough for Mike Tyson. They needed three shows of like two and a half hours. So that's on my dial. That's what I listen to. Uh, I'll listen to anything. I just, I don't know. I feel like I get my baseball fill with the research and work that I do. So that's when I, what I put in my ears is when I'm branching out as opposed to when I'm staying in my baseball niche. I like that. That's uh, sounds, sounds, a, sounds a bit like me. I'm, I'm, I'm not so much a, a true crime guy, but there's, there's certainly a bit of 
professional wrestling in in my podcast uh, nice. habits as well. So uh, there's a podcast over here about called Wrestle Me. It's a big 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 podcast group called Stackanov. There, that's their podcast, which is very good. And uh, check Gra- it out. Grapple, which is G R A double P L, which is a uh, a friend of mine, Gareth, set that up. It's an app that's very good. They have a really good podcast called Spotlight. Uh, but yeah, and then also, as you said, were we football fans? What we we are. My team is is currently playing and, and currently losing because I support an absolutely mm. appalling uh, football team, which is currently second bottom of the whole of professional football in the UK, uh, called Carlisle United. Yeah, so I I follow uh, podcasts that are to do with that, them as well. I, on on the on the baseball side, effectively wild the doyens. Obviously, um, listen to that one every day of every week uh the other one for me is tipping pitches alex and bobby mm-hmm. from tipping pitches do a great job of highlighting social issues in baseball uh from a very amusing and sidelong point of view so uh shout out to alex and bobby darius i i, I don't know what your hinterland is i, I certainly know what your uh, baseball podcast uh, listening habits are you do yes i mean i i literally started my baseball writing at a site set up by fans of effectively wild and have heard every episode so that's obviously on my list um other baseball ones uh i think maybe my favorite i listen to a lot of fancy stuff um but i think my favorite at the moment is uh the picture list guys alex fast and nick pollock um, i love alex alex is my yeah. guy man they're great they they're just brilliant. if you want to hear two guys who just really enjoy each other's company talking about baseball and they have so much knowledge as well it's not just nonsense banter but um you know they're just they have a great a fantastic time you'll learn a ton about pitching it's just really, really excellent stuff. I just, yeah, I, I love putting on Alex and Nick. So um, that's that's probably my other top baseball favorite. Um, and then we listen to The Dollop a lot, um, which if you haven't heard it, is an American history podcast by two comedians, Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds. And uh, basically one of them uh, finds a weird, obscure, quirky story from American history and he tells it to the other one who doesn't know anything about the story. So he's re- reacting live to these ridiculous things that happened. That's that's how the small town murder one works too. It's James and Jimmy. So two very similar names, but James does hours and hours and hours of research for this three hour long podcast. And then the other guy is basically just a goofball reacting to it, but then they tell it with comedy and they, they will not make fun of the victims or the victims families because they're not, they're uh they're a-holes but they're not scumbags as their tagline so um <laughs> they, they they're comedians and so they're, they're telling jokes about small town police forces bumbling with uh evidence you know fumbling the evidence or bumbling on the phone talking to uh, uh you know someone else but they won't mess with the victim or the victim's family they're very respectful about that but you wouldn't necessarily think comedy and murder go together, but um, I don't know, man. In the recesses of my brain, they sure do. That definitely, definitely sounds like one that I uh, I need to check awesome. out. And there's some, there's a couple British episodes. There was one where um, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but they talked about uh, gardening plots away from your house. I can't, I can't. Think allotments, of yeah, yeah. Allotments, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Somebody, somebody got got murdered at their allotment and like shoved in the. Uh, the closet thing there there where they kept their oh, gardening wow. tools. <laughs> yeah so uh they they do different states they've gone overseas on a couple of the episodes not going there physically but mm-hmm. they pretend they're taking a trip and like an hour of the the episode is introductory material so you understand the city and the demographics but um 
Brilliant. Yeah. You'll have to reach out to me if you want to listen to an episode. I'll, I'll, I'll hand pick one for you because it's such, such Definitely. a good show. That sounds so, so good. good. Okay. So we've, we've established who we are. Yes. Uh, and we've established a bit about, you know, our hinterlands, how we got into baseball. So we're going to get down to some, some nitty gritty business here. So we're going to get into baseball in the nineties in a minute, but I, I wanted to ask a little bit about, you know, your, your, your baseball journey and, and, and compare it to, I guess, us getting into football, right? So I, I'm sort of like, because, you know, we're not, we did, we were not kids who grew up in the States. I, I wanted to know how, how do you do it? Is it, is it just too little Cause like in the UK, anyone can afford a football and you play with the football in the street and we have games like, you know, Wembley, which is, you know, three goals and in or kick, people doing kickups in the garden. What is the baseball equivalent of that? Um, yeah, it's probably little league and, uh, being of a certain age, I'm 35 and I understand you guys are probably in or around that demographic. Um, you know, it may, it may be different now, but in the mid nineties, I was born in 86 and I, um, you know, I grew up without any money. So I, I was this basically playing stickball with my brother in the backyard. And then, um, you know, at grandma's house at dinner time, the, the game would be on the TV and so we just watched that. And so I didn't play organized baseball until I was 12. But um, you can play as early as I think seven or eight or nine years old. You know, you start with the in, – in Minnesota, they have like what they call these Cal Ripken and Babe Ruth leagues. And it's just based on age. And then Little League is kind of in that mix. It's a, it's an inter, it's a, it's a national governing body that you – you know, the teams from all-star teams. So it's not all these kids that live in the same village or the same city or the same suburb. You know, when New Hope, Minnesota goes to the little, which they do every now and then, you know, they've pulled kids from Minneapolis and St. Paul and, and kind of all over and created a regional all-star team. Um, but yeah, we have in our, in our town, just little leagues. And as growing up a game that kids still played just on a, pickup basis or a for fun basis. So I don't know if they still do, but it's, you know, there's baseball fields around where kids, if they want, can grab a bunch of friends and just meet up at the the diamond and take their hacks. Um, it's uh, it's cheaper than hockey. You know, I live in a hockey state too and hockey, the, the expenses are significant because of equipment and football mm-hmm. is the same way. So baseball and to some extent, uh, basketball, in addition to soccer, because we play soccer here too, um, the, the sports where you only need one or two pieces of equipment are the ones that kind of transcend um, social boundaries as far as money or, um, you know, if your parents can provide those for you. If you can f- get your hands on a bat and a ball, uh, you know, assuming you don't hit it over the fence and lose it, you could play all day. With hockey, you got to have pads and all this stuff. So baseball is is still for that reason, I think considered the pastime of, of America because of that reason. And, and so uh, this is going to be a rude question, but I feel like we're, we're on a level now. Where, where, where did your athletic career peak on the field? Like, I played. Yeah. So I, uh, I played a, a season of division three college baseball. So that's um, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was okay. And then I played uh, a class a amateur ball for almost a decade. So I, I was okay. Um, I played, you know, one time I grounded out against a guy who the twins had released from their A-ball team a uh, month beforehand. 
Um, Mark Hamburger played in my league when the twins discovered him in 2008. I think he, he went to a tryout, the twins signed him and then he was traded for Eddie Gordado like two months later. Uh, so, you know, it, the level that I played at, there were a few guys who had a little bit of minor league time, but nothing, nothing much. Um, you know, I, I, I peaked about as much as I could for my athleticism. I was in a car accident when I was a kid. And so I was not as, um, flexible. So I had to kind of, you know, be smarter than other players, but, uh, you know, I have no regrets. I played a lot of, a lot of men's league baseball and had a great time doing it until I was about 30 years old. Yeah, I, I regret asking you first because, like, you know, <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark Hamburger was a stud in the indie leagues for like ten years. Like, yes, uh, yes. I, I, and I'm I'm sitting here thinking, you know, little, like, you know, oh right, I didn't realize that little league triaged a bit like that. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up my county squash career. Uh, <laughs> I think we're just gonna move swiftly, Darius. Look, I think you're like me, aren't you? I think I think we're just gonna embarrass ourselves in comparison to that. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think I've ever played. I mean, I like went to school with a couple of guys who played in the Premier League, but like, you know, I wouldn't say that I've, you know, well, tackled to be, them or anything dramatic. To be <laughs> fair, and I, and I tweeted this yesterday, my American football statistics for my entire high school career were one solo tackle and one broken shoe. So, and they occurred on the same play. I only played like probably 50 snaps in my entire high school career. So I don't want anybody coming away with this, with me saying I was anything more than just an ordinary high school athlete who um, just really loved the sports that I was in. Yeah. I think, I think my peak was, uh, uh, you know, scoring in cricket is a game of accumulation. And in, and in one year I, I uh, won one hour batting title by default for having the highest batting average because I had only got out once because if you play limited overs games and I was often there at the end having scored 23 not out and then you divide it by the number of times that you're out and I my accumulation over the course of the year was about 108 which was in terms of the overall number of runs scored about 12th <laughs> But in terms of average, was first. Uh, so you know, I won. I won that on a on a technicality. But still, you know, I never grounded out to Mark Hamburger, and no one playing in that league was anyone near Fla- as good as him. Yeah, but flags fly forever, so you got to play <laughs> that one probably. That the, the trophy, I'm happy to report, is still in my parents' house. Very <laughs> I can't nice. Quite believe they still have. Very that. nice. I <laughs> said so the other. The, so right, we'll 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 move, we'll move on now. I want to ask a little bit about nostalgia. We've talked a bit about it already because you know that's the frame within which you you look at your podcast. But when we were just chit chatting before we got going, um, there's a lot of nostalgia around in national coverage of baseball, isn't there? And and I think when you look at it through the lens that you and Greg do, when you're talking about you know the the Blue Jays in the '90s or the Twins in the '90s or Ken Griffey it's super cool. But when you're talking about it, like I remember the good old days when, you know, Jack Morris just stuck it up. And it's a mm-hmm. rather different prospect, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a source of division in today's fandom and in today's, um, you know, just how baseball is consumed is if you, if you can have a healthy appreciation for the era in which you came up, but not denigrate the current era, I think there's a lot of common ground to be had. It's just when you start doing a us versus them thing, that's, you know, it's, it's, that's never going to be popular when you pit one side of something that everyone enjoys against another side of something that everyone enjoys. And in fact, they have more similar than they do um, dissimilar. 
but yet the idea that it was better back then and and you don't want them to hear about why it is the way it is now and you know it just it um it breeds discontent and i think we see that a lot when guys like jack morris aren't doing you know saying the dumb things they say on air mm-hmm. and they're just talking about baseball it's um it's frustrating it's boring as well right it really you know, is it's it really and, you is. Know, when listening to, to john smoltz or or book showalter or jim cut during the, the course of this uh you know, this postseason, like I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan. So I mostly listen to Red Sox games and I'm like, you know, Dennis Eckersley and, and Jerry Remy are at the same age as these guys, but they don't do this. They don't act like they hate baseball. It's just, I just find it really strange that you, you know, the one time of the year that you've got the whole world of sports focusing on baseball before the NBA and the, N- the NHL season starts. And yeah, they're just moaning. Well, and it's like, if you took all year, and then um, you went on holiday and then all you talked about during the holiday was how bad it was. And it's like, well, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. We're all on vacation here. We're all supposed to be having a great time. And all you're doing is talking about how bad it is. W- what are we doing here? You know, I'm quite enjoying some of the players kicking back on this. Like I saw, um, uh, you know, shed long uh, this afternoon tweeting about how it was, ridiculous that everyone's talking about cheating and tipping pitches when actually the hitting and these playoffs have, has just been brilliant and uh, Jose Trevino kicking back at Chris Murphy the senator for Connecticut for uh, saying that sports is boring and just selling it well, well don't watch it then <laughs> you know, so I quite I quite enjoy like I, I like the sassy personality of these uh, these modern players that's definitely that's definitely a good thing we've got in this generation yeah as long as it's not manufactured if you're just putting yourself out there and putting it on your sleeve and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I say, you know, why not? But yeah, not everything has to be for you. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that from, you know, the geekier side of things, which I would include myself too, is yeah. You know, maybe I, maybe I don't care about a guy's batting average, but it's on the screen. It doesn't mean that I have to be all upset that it's on the screen. You know, it, I, I can disregard it, enjoy what you enjoy, but let other people enjoy what they like too. Yeah, I, I, I fundamentally agree. And I'm going to completely disregard my agreement by trying to pit the pair of you against each other uh, for, for a couple <laughs> of minutes now. Uh, you know, we, we said, you know, not all nostalgia is retrograde. And, and certainly that's not the case in the conversations that, that yourself and Greg have. Um, but we don't know an awful lot about 90s baseball. So, but we're looking at it from the point of view of having a podcast called Batflips and Nerds. So, you know, that yeah. that does that does do what it says on the tin. We, we like the SAS. Uh, we like to get into the advanced statistics. So we, we sort of need to be convinced that actually baseball in the 90s was good. So I'm, I'm kind of giving Darius a difficult job here because I, I want him to play a little bit of devil's advocate to sort of say like everything after Moneyball is, is the only thing that you need to focus on. So you, I want you to sort of try and beat us both into, into submission and, and, and beat, us, uh, beat us at our own game here. So... Why, why should we want to focus on, on baseball in the 90s? So what, what about the players? What about, I mean, we've talked about Griffey already, but he, he yeah. can't be, he, you know, he's the quintessential guy who people think of when they think about the cool and the smarts in 90s baseball. But who, who are we missing? Well, I mean, if you like a villain, you know, Barry Bonds uh-huh. was, and I mean, he continues well into the 2000s and breaks the records he breaks in the 2000s. And, you know, he's as villain as it gets if you want to talk about uh, performance enhancing drugs and and all that. But it, it, it's a lot like the NBA with Michael Jordan. There were characters. There were guys who 
when you made a commercial for that game, you knew that guy was going to be in that commercial. If you were facing the Minnesota twins, Kirby Puckett was going to be in that commercial hmm. a highlight of him with a diving catch or a home run or, or whatever. And Frank Thomas, you know, who Greg actually played with in college and, you know, each team kind of had an identity. It, it wasn't everyone trying to, um, <laughs> you know, Moneyball kind of stripped some of the, that out of it in the sense that it was like, all right, we need to build the best team we can as cheap as possible. Now that was still the case in the nineties because they weren't spending as much money. It just wasn't as contrived, you know, teams spent money for different reasons and, and whatever, but um, you know, it just, the game had a different identity. It had a different feel when you couldn't watch every game, every single night, it was a lot cooler to have Sunday night baseball with John Miller and Joe Morgan calling, um, you know, white Sox versus the brewers back when they were both in the American league or something like that. Um, but each yeah, with players not moving as much in that era too, because free agency didn't really take off until the late nineties when, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox started throwing some more money around and in the Rangers with Alex Rodriguez too. Um, there was just more of a connection with those players. You know, if, if you were a, a, a Blue Jays fan, you really liked Joe Carter or Roberto Alomar, John Olerud, but you had a choice of multiple players. You know, with the White Sox, you like Frank Thomas, but you also might like Robin Ventura. You might like um, Ozzy Guillen if you like the underdog. And uh, so the, the identity of the game was just different. I mean, what I appreciate too is that we retroactively – can look at the game with the statistics we have now on base percentage, weighted runs created plus weighted on base average. And we can go back and look and be like, wow, I didn't appreciate this guy for how good he was or, or this guy. And maybe this guy wasn't as good as I thought he was. Um, we can do all that analysis retroactively. And so we don't have to kick that out, but at the same time too, we lived in that era where sometimes not, what we didn't know um made the game feel special to us. You know, now we know everything, every second. If I'm sitting watching a playoff game and I want to know what Kyle Schwarber's OPS was against left-handed pitchers, I can find that out in three seconds. Um, I think part of the fun for me was not knowing because I was young and so I didn't care, and two, that we didn't have the data at our fingertips. Mm. Um, part of it, too, is just coming of age as an adult. You know, the things that mystify you as a kid big stadiums and larger than life heroes you know once you become an adult those things don't um you know they don't tickle your funny bone the same way or mm. once you meet those players you see that they're at least in my instance about my size or or i talk to them and they're not these mythical beings they're just men who are supremely physically gifted and so a lot of that luster wears off so part of it for me is distance you know distance mike's heart Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm. I appreciate the nineties now more when I'm not in the nineties, but at the same time too, um, I think we all have a soft spot for the first thing that introduces us to what we love, whether it's sports, whether it's music, something cultural. Uh, so for me, if I go down each of those roads individually, they all bring me back to where I started, which was 1990s baseball. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. And it, it, there is a culture of nostalgia for, for football here in the UK, particularly I'm in sure. that, that 90s period. There's there's a whole whole raft of, of podcasts that are focusing on, on football in that era. Yeah, there's a really, you know, we've talked a lot about podcasts earlier, but it's a really good one called Quickly Kevin that's led by a, a British comedian called Josh Widdicombe. 
which is very much that, you know, it's, it's football stickers, it's, you know, muddy pitches in the nineties before they were all like green carpet, the green carpets that you'll, you'll be watching on the, <laughs> on your, on your sports channels now. And yep. yeah, big, big, big characters who would be out, you know, out on a bender the night before, you know, the Premier League games on a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon, but you know, that's it. It's not that you can, as you said, with, with what we've got now, you can look back and appreciate that some of these players were genuinely incredible and maybe mm-hmm. some of them were very very underappreciated and if anything so Darius this is this is this is a bit of a a, a, a rough and unfair question to, to be throwing at you particularly as a sort of doyen of baseball prospectus in some ways did Moneyball basically ruin baseball I think there's an argument to be made and I think the likes of Theo Epstein have admitted this now that the aesthetic style of baseball that the optimization of a lot of things has brought about is perhaps not as appealing as the, you know, lots of base stealing, lots of contact, maybe not as many home runs, not as many high strikeouts style of game. I think there's an argument to be made for that. Uh, I think that's still a relatively recent development, you know, to the extent that there's been all this hand wringing about it. You know, I think certainly way back in the early 2000s, a lot of teams had not gotten on. I mean, you know, we can we can talk about the Rockies might still not have gotten on now. But, <laughs> um, I think, you know, I maybe it's hard for me to separate myself from it. I feel like I would find it frustrating watching baseball when basically almost no teams were kind of aware of a lot of the things we're aware of now. You know, if I was to be plunged back into that period, I think I might be yelling at the TV the whole time or getting really frustrated at everybody for just talking about bang average. Um, but that's so hard, you know, calling for I, hit and runs all the my... time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the beauty of it too is, is like when you play an old video game and you're like, wow, how did this entertain me for hours on end? It's all you had. Mm, and yeah. so, um, you know, your ignorance is what was bliss at the time. And it's and still like... fun. You, you like I, there's a there's a, a Sunday night baseball Twins White Sox game from the end of I want to say towards the end of '94 or '93 maybe that I watched a while back on YouTube and uh, I can send you guys a link. But um, yeah, it, in some ways you're like, am I even watching the same sport? And then in other ways you're like, okay, yeah, this is pretty much the same. It's it's amazing it, it the differences in just uh, one generation of baseball. The, the one the one that always sticks in my mind that that regularly gets replayed e- even here on 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 sports TV in the UK which just feels like it's from like a, a different planet let alone a different era is the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game where the footage of it is just like like talk, never mind high definition it's it's like no definition mm-hmm. <laughs> and he looks like like he, he looks like what he is like a, a foal and <laughs> It's just up, and some of the swing, like it's some of the worst hitting you ever see. I'm like, this sort of cheapens this amazing act. It doesn't quite feel the same as Roger Clemens doing it for some some reason. Or, or if you watch that playoff game that Levon Hernandez carved up Atlanta, and um, Eric Gregg was behind the plate calling pitches a foot off the, off the edge for strikes. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes the the aesthetic of the game can can really throw off your perception of it after the fact. I think that's right. And I, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, I think it feels like it's interesting that, that Brandon, you, you focus very much on the personalities and, and that makes absolute sense. And it, it does kind of feel like 
for for one reason or another, because it's not that these guys don't have personality. That the league is is making a bit of a mess of of promoting them, but they're tr- they're, they're now trying really hard. Does it, um, so why is it why is you know pushing the the Tim Andersons and the and the Shoei Atanis and and you know the the Carlos Correas as the big heel of the whole situation? Why is it not working? Or is it working more than we think because we're right no, in the middle of it? I, I think when you you tell someone something's wrong for so long, it's really hard to get it back. Mm. And I, I mean, it. baseball has been not very cool in America for a while now because mm. of that. But again, too, I mean, I think our, our entertainment interests are just so varied now. When, when I was growing up, we had, you know, 13 channels on the TV or 14 and the twins were on the, the last channel. And now they have YouTube and they have streaming services and they can go on Instagram and see what their friends are up to or TikTok or whatever. And mm. so it's really hard to make anything stick if it's not what people are really into in that moment. And right now, baseball just isn't that. And so, I mean, you could give Mike Trout the personality of, um, I mean, any famous actor, you know, and, and it probably still wouldn't have any effect until after his career is over just because of how ingrained in the American um, mind space baseball is as kind of an antiquated means of entertainment is right now. So if they are successful in reinventing the wheel, so to speak, it's going to take a while. You can't just turn that. Mm. You just can't turn that printing press off and then turn it back on. It's going to take some time to warm up and get people back through the gates. And right now, um, you know, I'm hopeful that we're seeing the start of that, but I, I still think it's too early to know if it's even really taking. Yeah, I, I, it's sort of weird for for for, for me, and, I, and I, I'm interested in your perspective on this, Darius. Is having been present at the statistically worst started game in recent Major League Baseball history, the the first was it the first game for over 25 years when both starting pitchers exited in the first inning uh, in the Red Sox versus Yankees in London yeah, three years ago. Crazy. And we were just like, what is this? This isn't baseball, but people seem to be absolutely loving it. I guess that's it. If you're looking at it from a different lens, you're like, hey, lots of dingers, uh, lots of doubles going into like ridiculous foul ground. <laughs> so yeah, yeah maybe I mean, it's just the perspective that we're viewing it from. It is so hard to separate yourself from your personal interests and just you know there isn't such a thing as this is enjoying enjoyable to all people who consume baseball you know there are casual fans and there are hardcore fans and there's everything in between and they still enjoy different things even if they watch every game of the season one person might be you know totally stats based and the other one might never have looked at a stats website in their life uh, and it's really difficult to pull yourself away from that and just kind of, you know, try and find this objective. Oh, yeah, this is a good marketable thing about baseball. And I just think the pace of change now is so incredible that, like, it's almost unreasonable to expect one thing to, like, keep holding people's attention in the same way. Um, I mean, you know, when you think about how quickly we've gone from probably being amazed that TV was possible to people being like oh where's my next show to binge like Mm -hmm. the amount of time in human history that that's been compressed into is vanishingly small so i don't know baseball has actually i think survived for an incredibly long time being really quite popular in that context uh so yeah who knows where it's going to go but i think we're in a period of human history where 
maybe we just shouldn't have those expectations that there shouldn't be this one thing that everybody obsesses about like maybe there was in the you know 1918 world series when baseball was literally the only game in town <laughs> yeah and not on television at all just radio yeah everybody clustering around the radio and yeah yeah no it's it's a good point because it's like the proverbial you know you see the 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 watchman chasing all the dogs in the street trying to bring them back to the pound well you can't get them all with one net you got to get them all with different bring them all back in and and that's what entertainment is trying to do right now is to have a broad appeal is is really difficult because you've got people who think different things are funny or or offensive or you know someone what's funny to me might be not funny to you or what i think is an incredible human feat of athleticism like american ninja warrior you guys might say yeah who cares they're <laughs> jumping up and down and doing jumping jacks and all this dumb stuff and so it, it's just getting increasingly difficult and there's not really any indication it's going to go back in the other way as much as anybody working in entertainment might want it to. It's a great meme sport though. Like I think it yeah. has that in its oh, favor, yeah. right? You know, yes. there, there's so much like stuff that is unfortunate happens or stuff that's brilliant that happens that, that can catch fire. I, I was chatting to a friend of ours in, in the, the MLB office over here in London the other day. And he told me, and this is absolutely incredible to me that the most liked uh, tweet on BBC sports, which you know, our national broadcasters uh, sports account, Twitter this year was a baseball tweet. It was a man catching a baseball, holding a baby, but it's still oh, okay. baseball, right? You know, yeah. that happens at baseball. That doesn't that doesn't really happen in in football or in uh, in hockey or or any other sport for that matter. So at least you know we'll we'll still we'll still be cornering the meme market on uh, on TikTok in four years time if TikTok's still well, a thing. Yeah, you, you might catch a puck in the stands at a hockey game, but it's a, a lot less rare than a fall ball. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. more rare than a fall yeah. ball. That's for sure. So uh, we're gonna go on to talk about the playoff race. Uh, in 2021 in a minute but what what would you say Brandon or maybe like one or two of the the, the classic playoff matchups of the 90s because everyone everyone you know over here is thinking right okay well I'm thinking about instantly going back in as far as I can remember in time and it's the 2004 ALCS right, right. but what, what what came before what were the what were the equivalents of of that in terms of catching lightning in a bottle in terms of the national conscience in uh, the 90s uh, I mean, the 91 World Series between the Twins and the Braves is going to uh -huh. naturally be my inclination just because of my proximity to the team that uh, that won it. But back-to-back um, -back walk-offs to end it, uh, coming back from a 3-2 deficit, um, you know, uh, going up 2-0, falling back 3-2, close games. I think there was one blowout in Atlanta. Um you know, it just, it really captivated pretty much everything people could want from a world series in the sense that it was back and forth, went all seven games. And, um, you know, there was a, a terrific pitching in game seven, um, some deception on the bases with, uh, you know, a, a fake feed to second base that froze a runner that kept him from scoring that might've won that game. And it, that one is the one that captures kind of the, um, the natural interest for me 93 would have been my next one with the blue Jays and the Phillies, because uh, that was the first year I watched. And in fact, I remember going to school the day after Joe Carter hit that home run off Mitch Williams and all the kids were asking me because they knew I was the baseball fan in the class. Um, if I had stayed up to watch it and I hadn't, I had actually been sent to bed. And so I was kind of <laughs> bummed out that 
I didn't get to see Joe Carter hit that. And then two, you know, after that, I mean, the Yankees kind of took over in the, the late nineties. I mean, Cleveland and Atlanta were there for a large portion of it and, and coming back from, um, you know, the 94 strike where the world series was canceled. That was a big deal too, but the, the Yankees really took hold towards the end there. Um, you know, beating the Padres and then eventually facing off with the Diamondbacks and the Mets and going into the 2000s. And it just, it became a real Yankee centric place for, uh, for quite a while there until the Red Sox broke through in 2004. But it, um, and we talked about this with Buck Walter last week, the nineties the were a very varied, very varied, sounds weird to put those words together, um, decade in the sense that, uh, the way the game looked in 1991 and the way the game looked in 1999 were a lot different. And I, I maintain that maybe the world changed more in any modern decade in the 90s because of the internet, you know, basically coming to the forefront in the, the mid 90s. Um, but I think baseball followed a fairly similar pattern to where in a 10 year span, the game changed about as much as it did in any 10 year span as it did in the 90s. So, um, Again, all of these things, as I'm thinking of them, as I'm saying them out loud now, I've thought of them before, uh, were what compelled me to say, hey, this could be a good podcast. Let me find a guest or, or a co-host who lived it. And so I couldn't really go with someone who had, you know, maybe this guy played 98 to 99 and then for a little while in the 2000s, or maybe this guy had a cup of coffee in 94 and 96, but never came up again after that. Uh, it was very important to me to identify someone who had been through that entire decade and could kind of encapsulate each of the little differences that the game had in each of those years. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it's definitely the case that it, that it does that. And say, what do we reckon in recent memory? What, what do we think are the, the classic matchups that will go down in history like the, uh, the 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 twins and the Braves in 1991, like the Blue Jays with Joe Carter in 1993. I've got one in my head. If you don't mind me taking the floor, yes, it's, absolutely. It's Blue Jays and Rangers, right? And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's because of the Jose thing, right? But it's and everything that came after it, and like that was that wasn't even that wasn't even the World Series. You know, that, that was, was the championship series. It was the championship was, was the division series. Division, division series, series, right? Think, yeah, F- yeah F- five games. And then Sam Dyson was the pitcher and he ended up being a very terrible human being who pitched for the twins. And so it all comes full circle. <laughs> what about you guys? Are there any others that, that spring to mind? I mean, that, that's, that, that felt like the obvious one for me. Well, I think retroactively you got to get excited about uh, Dodgers Astros with uh, 2017 <laughs> and, and all yeah. there because um, they, they pretty much tried to make a court case out of that one. <laughs> yeah they've they've made a podcast out of that as well which is also true crimey and quite good uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah i mean that, that that's the first one that comes to mind for me i think they each carry their own individual appeal um to me following the dodgers for the decade of the 2010s i don't even know how you how, the the teens the 20 teens you know we mm-hmm. called it the 19s teens back in the 19 the 20th century i don't know how you typify that that decade but to have a team as dominant as the Dodgers not win a World Series throughout that entire decade um, really goes to show just how hard it is to catch fire in October. And so for me, that's the thing I think about is, is in addition to that Dodgers-Astros series is the, um, 
close but no cigar Dodgers of the entire decade. Darius, they must be some Giants ones. Yeah, you've got to bring, <laughs> you've got to bring your bias forward here. The Madison Bumgarner year when he yeah, just won everything on his own. I think, I think Bumgarner is the most obvious one. I think that's the one that fans of other teams as well are, are most likely to remember. I, I'm still not sure I've seen anything quite so extraordinary as Bumgarner coming in in that, that game seven and pitching five innings after having already started twice in that series. Well, uh, and we have to give love to the Cubs for breaking the curse too. Uh, you know, you yeah, talk about the Red Sox for doing it in 2004 and then just a little over a decade later, the Cubs do the same. It's, I mean, that was a great series. The, the, oh, yeah. the, the uh, Cleveland baseball team, sorry, uh, the Guardians yeah, no, were excellent Guardians. in that series. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And I think I think David Fries in 2011 and the Cardinals is the other one that I that I think of. Um, you know, just the drama of that game six, especially. I think a lot of people are still going to remember the, the David Fries game. And uh, uh, that's uh, the one where uh, his uh, Joe Buck took his dad's call. We'll see you tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, yeah. he said, we'll see you tonight, didn't he? Because tonight, it was, it was indeed after midnight. And see you tomorrow <laughs> yeah. night was, of course, his, uh, his dad's circle. So baseball is good, I think, is, is what we're all heartily agreeing here. What about yeah. this year, though? Is it, is, it, is it good this year? I, I think it's good, but I, I don't want to put words into your mouths. Brandon, Better than you last reckon? year. Better than last year. I mean, you yeah. know, COVID, robbed, COVID robbed us of so many things from a humanity standpoint. Baseball is obviously secondary or further down the list than that. But, um, you know, in, in a way where you can't make an entire meal out of dessert because you can have too much of a good thing, a 60-game season was not enough of a good thing. And so, you know, it just leaves you wanting more, um, especially as someone who watched the Twins and was eager to see how they would build on their 2019 success in 2020. Um, they didn't get a lot of time to do that. They did have a nice season. And then this year they obviously fell back to the pack, but, um, you know, baseball, baseball came back with, um, I, I wouldn't say a vengeance, but it, it gave us everything we could have asked for in 2021 in terms of surprises, twists and turns, good teams playing poorly in terms of the twins, bad teams playing much better than we expected, perhaps Seattle, um, it, it, it's going to go in the, in my catalog as a year that that met expectations that were fairly high. Yeah, and, and in your case, Darius, um, bad teams actually turning out to be good teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not even I mean, bad I'll... teams playing well, which the Mariners definitely are. <laughs> You're welcome for Lamont Wade Jr. By the way. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still. I, I said it last time I was on, but I still don't really believe the season that the Giants had, and and you know deserved really. It obviously, didn't end the way we wanted it to, but that was one of the better divisional series I can remember. I think it was really a, a fine end to what has been a, a terrific battle all year. Well, and Gabe Kapler is one of my favorite guys in the game, so I was happy to see him be the the head man for that. Yeah, you so you know the, the team really seems together. He, I think he's done a great job over there, um, and I'm sure they'll be back again next year. But but overall, I think most of the games really have been competitive. You know, the Red Sox have had a couple of blowouts lately that have you know been over fairly early on. But for the the most part, we've seen a lot of really close baseball games, very well played, lots of good pitching, you know, tense stuff. And uh, I've really I've really enjoyed pretty much every game I've watched these playoffs. I, I think I've really enjoyed the Red Sox blowouts more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Those Rays Sox, games, man, Grand Slam fest. I see the Red Sox have hit eight eight of the last nine Grand Slams in the ALCS now, or something like wow. that. Wow, uh, that's um, absolutely mad. That, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so uh, before we wrap up and get out of here, I, I, I want to go th- for some quick fire questions. So I want to get from both of you uh, a World Series prediction, but I don't want a prediction on the matchup, or, and I don't want a prediction on on you know what the score is going to be because whenever we make predictions on our podcast, they go horribly wrong, including uh, but not limited to the fact that as things stand uh, in both of the championship series, we're going to have the opposite of what we anticipated, having course corrected our original playoff bracket quite considerably uh, just last week. So uh, what's a thing that's going to happen in this World Series? I think is probably the best way to do it. And and the more niche, the better. Uh, Putting you on the spot, Darius, you go first. A thing that's going to happen in this World Series, I think there's going to be another weird rule controversy you know, some sort of ground rule or something's going to happen and there's going to be a big argument about whether this should be the rule and whether the right team won the game. That's my, not going to predict the specific rule, but I'm, I'm predicting intense scrutiny of one minute aspect of the MLB rulebook. And uh, Brandon, what about you? Pain. There will be pain. No, uh, <laughs> I think the easiest is a cop-out, but uh, some niche player will take over our collective consciousness as this guy that we are convinced is the next Randy Aruzarina and whether or not they parlay that into a future of being anything more than a, you know, whoever they were before. Um, I think there's going to be a cult hero, a cult classic. And uh, I'm not sure who it's going to be though. You know, it's easy for me to say, Hey, we're going to get all really excited about Kike Hernandez. Like we are right now. Um, and maybe it'll be him. Who knows? He could just continue what he's doing. But I think there's going to be a player who enters our collective conscious and doesn't leave it until next season, whenever that is, based on CBA negotiations that are pending. <laughs> okay, uh, so I, I'm going to go. Uh, that, I, like, I love that. Uh, and I was I, I'm sort of tempted to say that would be a much less bold prediction with the Cardinal still in it, because uh, yeah. obviously that'd be a dude. <laughs> Yeah, Lars Newtbar. Yeah, yeah. What sort of name is that? Um, mine is a. I was going to say a Borkoff. So I, I'm. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that's more or less controversial than than, than both of yours. Okay, so more quite quick shrimp. Yeah, yeah. Some more quick fire ones for you. Uh, I want to go. I, we can take this either way, depending on which way you want to go. Which player from these playoffs, uh, and we'll come to you the, uh, with this on uh, for you first, Brandon, uh, given it's your niche, who would be the best player from the current playoffs in 90s baseball? Who would fit the profile best? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go a little off the radar. Eddie Rosario would absolutely kill it in 1990s baseball because he doesn't give a crap about his on-base percentage, and they didn't back then either. He was swinging everything, run, every, uh, run at everything, throw – Mr. Cutoff Man, uh, just the enthusiasm he plays with, that is uh, something that cuts both ways. He's a, In some ways, he's a modern-day Kirby Puckett because Kirby could was convinced he could hit anything, and he could. Eddie Rosario can do that. The problem is um, when you swing at everything and you hit it, you don't do much damage with it. You know, It's when you swing at everything and miss that you kind of rein it in. It's when you make contact that you don't get that negative feedback that you should stop doing that. So I think Eddie Rosario would fit in the nineties to a T. And what about you, Darius? I'm going to go on the the stats side. Uh, I'm going to take Framber Valdez. I think his 70% ground ball rate would play really Uh well in in nineties baseball. The managers would love it. Pitch to contact all day. They love their grounders back then. 
Yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to go uh, a little bit more on the aesthetic uh, and be very stereotypical and, and just say, I think I think Daniel Daniel Vogelbach, uh, he's just the most 90s looking baseball player there is. I mean, definitely there's 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 a bit more uh, in those arms than that. It would be a bit more flabby in terms of uh, yeah. chiseled uh, back in the day, but it's certainly weight wise, he would he would definitely fit. Sorry, Daniel, that's not a knock on you. Uh, I, I- I keep getting comparisons to him physically and I, I don't know how I feel. About that. <laughs> People say I'm, I look like him physically and maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I don't know. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, plead the fifth on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say, Just so you hit home runs like him as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Softball, not baseball, but still, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to throw this one to you, Brandon. Maybe, maybe you could do this in terms of a, a daytime soap for the States, but I was, I was, wondering which which playoff player would be best in a in a british soap opera and, and actually i was thinking about this earlier i sort of wanted to change my own question and like say which player from the 90s would be best in a british soap opera so i have one of these so i think chipper jones like but chipper jones now not as he was in the 90s because he just looks like the type of guy who would like turn up driving a truck and like Coronation Street, which is our bit of East Enders, like our two big soap operas here in the UK. And he'd, he would be American, right? He'd have that awful, awful goatee he's got these days. He'd, you know, have his hunting bow in, in the back of his cab and he'd, you know, drive a brassy barmaid off into the into the night. Um, there's just something about him that that, that feels sort of slightly um, homespun, but s- sort of untrustworthy. <laughs> Uh, I understood like half the words in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely going to clip that one out for sure. Uh, okay, oh, so let's skip. Let's skip over. Uh, who, who do we think, in terms of players on the field now, will make a great transition into the commentary box? Having talked about those guys who've rather teed us off over the course of this uh, this period, Darius, I'll go to you first. I mean, I think we already we've already seen it. Isn't isn't Adam Wainwright? It's Wayno, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think so. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone for you, Brandon? Uh, in light of recent interviews, I'd kind of like to see Kyle Schwarber do some more TV because he he seems like a pretty entertaining cat. Um, beyond that, you know, I think Justin Turner's interesting. Mm. Uh, maybe he's more fiery because of his hair color than his actual personality, but. Um, for me, those two guys kind of seem to be the ones I would lean toward. I, I, Kyle Schwarber seems really entertaining. The the whole like hands up thing he did after he made that play at first base after he missed the one before that, um, you know, that kind of captured my uh, my adoration for him as a self deprecating humorist. Yeah, I love that. Take taking the bow and tipping the cap to Fenway after doing yep, that. Exactly. So- so so good, and and lastly, I guess it's a similar question, but it might might uh, might uh, bring a different answer. Who, who who would be the best podcast guest? I guess Carl Schwarber would probably you know, definitely be on my list. Joe Kelly would be on my list because I just think he's hilarious. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's anyone else that springs to mind quickly for either of you two. <laughs> uh, I'd want to have like Dusty Baker on, honestly. Oh yeah, but um, uh. Now that I know him and he's in a place where he's happy that he's at, uh, Lance Lynn would be a guy I'd want to talk to because um, he had a lot of fun in St. Louis and he had a lot of fun in or is having a lot of fun in Chicago, but he did not have a lot of fun with me in Minnesota. So um, I'd love another <laughs> crack at it with Lance Lynn just saying, hey, man, um, I know you, you know me. Let's uh, let's drop this thing and let's just talk. I'm looking forward to that. I, I want to hear that, <laughs> you know, Lance, Lance Lynn, uh, 
expose on his on his time in minnesota that does sound Ooh. like a, there's a lot of dudes on that team who would be great podcast guests oh I mean, yeah, yeah we had giolito on ours and he was absolutely brilliant He's but phenomenal anderson would be phenomenal uh yeah. you know even got down to guys in uh, billy hamilton would be great fun brian howard just great just a lot of fun dudes on that on that mm-hmm. roster exactly darius have you got any names off the top of your head I mean, I, I think it's got to be Carlos Correa, hasn't it? I, I just, oh, yes. He, he's going to shoot from the hip. I think yeah, you're going to get guy. some honest answers out of Correa. So, yeah, I want to talk to him. Uh, yeah, that is that. Yeah, that feels like you've buried the lead right at the end of the podcast. We all secretly love Carlos Correa. It's not even a secret. We just we just love the guy. He's brilliant. Yep. He's so good yep. for the sport. Right. Well, that's that's about all we've got time for. But, uh, you know, we've got to do the pleasantries at the end of this. So, so, so Brandon, if... if People have had their appetite wet by our conversation today. Where do they find you and where do they find that 90s baseball podcast? Yeah, we're on all the platforms that people listen to podcasts on. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Libsyn, Carrier Pigeon, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, five-star reviews are always good for us. They move us up the charts. They get us in these award situations like we're in here where we can vote and tell us that we're great. Um, I put up... Uh, every episode on accesstwins.substack.com, which is my newsletter that comes out uh, whenever I feel like it. Trying to get that to be a little more consistent here now in the off season, but um, everything's free right now. I think we'll move to a paid model in the new year, but uh, yeah, come check us out. We have a lot of fun. That nineties baseball pod, wherever you get podcasts, you can find us. Excellent. Um, And for us, same thing. It's uh, bat flips and nerds. Uh, you can find us on all major podcast outlets and on Twitter at Batflips underscore nerds is usually where you'll see uh, most of us uh, chatting away. Uh, yep, yeah, get there if you want some hot baseball takes or some uh, pro union baseball commentary. Uh, <laughs> you get both, plenty of both of those. And uh, thanks very much again to the Sports Podcast Awards for bringing us both together. You can find everything that you need to know about that competition and indeed enter your own sports podcast over at www.sportspodcastsawards.com. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. It's been real fun to learn a bit about 90s baseball and uh, to uh, have a chat to somebody different who isn't Tom Pringle for once. (laughs) Anytime, my friends. Thank you, and uh, the pleasure was mine. Brilliant. See you again.